on February 1, 2016, National Polygamy Advocate Mark Henkel was on Pop Off with Mary Jane Fox on KAHI. Well, I don't know if love keeps the folks together, but we're going to find out because we're going to be talking about multiple wives. Polygamy has caught the curiosity of the public, including television with uh, the television series Sister Wives. So now what? Is the family made famous by that TV show going to do one better, maybe in a federal appeals court? Well, Mark Henkel knows. Uh, Mark is a national polygamy advocate and founder of truthbearer.org. Nice to have you with us today, Mark. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, define, so we understand, have a, a working uh, definition of polygamy. Polygamy is a neutral term that is broken into two parts. Poly, meaning multiple, and gamay, meaning marriage. So multiple marriage. There are two subsets of polygamy. There is polygyny, G-Y-N-Y, with the same root word of gynecologist, meaning poly women, so polygyny would be one man with multiple women, whereas polyandry, same root word as anthropology, man, meaning multiple men, polyandry would mean one woman with multiple men. But usually you only see polygamy as polygyny, P-O-L-Y-G-Y-N-Y. Which is a male with multiple wives. Correct. Okay, why? Well, marriage really existed even before the invention of government, and marriage will exist if government collapses. And from the very beginning, from anthropology, biology, even biblical history, whichever source you go to, polygamy has always been part of the definition of marriage before government got involved in creating limitations. And ultimately, it really comes down to anthropological choices that goes to the biology of man and woman that men are biologically designed as seed, and women are biologically designed as garden. And so because of that, they end up with the anthropological and biological instinct that man as seed wants to distribute as many seeds for reproduction as possible in as many gardens as possible, whereas the opposite of that is for true for women, being the garden, they want to have the best seed. And so because they're limited to only producing one child or one seed, one output from the seed, whether it splits and becomes twins, it's still the same seed, that they want the best child. So that really the choices tend to be, like Dr. Joyce Butter said back in 94, she said she would rather be the third wife of a good man than the only wife of a jerk. So that's why the choices usually will tend to be women choosing the best man as opposed to the reverse because of the question of paternity and other issues because of the way guys are. So the woman chooses the man, not the man choosing the woman? Well, that's typical of most species. Absolutely. The, the, the woman chooses the man. And certainly, when you consider polygamy in a modern Western society, today's woman is smart, educated, strong, fully capable, not weak, not meek, fully capable of asserting her equality in a relationship. So any guy who would actually attract such a woman that would want to be in a polygamous relationship with him. He's got to be so good, or they're not going to put up with it. The fact is, the minute such a guy becomes a ridiculous, chest-pounding uh, type of idiot, 
those women won't gang up on him. So when you really consider it, it really comes down to woman's choice. I have to ask you, though, uh, and this I've heard stories of, and I don't know any polygamists, so I, I can't verify it. But, you know, they take on, you know, a 14-year-old wife. Well, what does a 14-year-old know how to choose a man? That is a stereotype that has been propagandized through media that is manufactured news outlets to have you believe that that's what all polygamy is about. The truth is, that's nothing to do with what we call UCAP, U-C-A-P, Unrelated Consenting Adult Polygamy, UCAPs. And they, the idea of underage marriage is a separate issue completely altogether. To suggest, for example, the recent cult that was involved in underage marriage, FLVF, with Warren Jeffs, to suggest that Warren Jeffs represents regular UCAP polygamists is like saying Mary Kay Eterno represents all teachers. Or like saying Penn State's Jerry Sandusky represents all football coaches. The truth is all criminals everywhere will find ways to do things, and just because they exist doesn't mean that everybody else is as bad as those anecdotes. You can have laws, and we already do have laws, against underage crime. So the idea of, that you need to criminalize unrelated consenting adults from choosing polygamy because of violating an existing crime against underage marriage is actually specious and not, not legitimate. We truly can go after underage crime, underage marriage crime, go for it, that has nothing to do with polygamy. Okay, so uh, the law is against underage crime, which is called rape, if you have right. you know sex with a, a woman who is under what? Well, it depends on the state, I guess. Uh, that's true. But that's separate. That's not what polygamy is. We're talking about unrelated consenting adults making a choice. The minute you involve minors, you've got something else. That's why it's UCAT, Unrelated Consenting Adults. So you don't, we're not talking about incest. We're not talking about coercion. We're not talking about minors or extraterrestrial aliens. <laughs> we're talking about unrelated consenting adults making a choice. So how did it get into the Mormon religion? Well, I'm not a Mormon. I'm an evangelical conservative Christian. And that's, that's another one of those... Uh, propagandized stereotypes that suggest that all polygamy is based on Mormonism. It really isn't. Polygamy has existed long before the new religion of Mormonism, which only occurred and actually developed in the 1800s. Polygamy is both in the Bible, both Old Testament and the New Testament never forbid it. It is throughout history. It is in the massive percentage of different societies around the world. Polygamy exists. So you do not have to be a Mormon to recognize polygamy as something you might choose. There is Christian polygamy. There is secular polygamy. There is Jewish polygamy. There is Muslim polygamy. There's all kinds of polygamy. You do not modify a neutral noun by the missing adjective. Just like you, a day is, the word day is a neutral word. But if you put the adjective sunny day, that's very different from a rainy day. Same thing with the neutral word polygamy. If you put the adjective Christian polygamy, that's very different from Jewish polygamy, very different from Muslim polygamy, very different from Mormon polygamy. These are different applications of polygamy. But at the end of the day, when we're talking about UCAPs, UCAP, and allowing the law, it's about unrelated consenting adults 
making a choice. Now, the other thing that I don't quite understand, you mentioned that in, in the Bible there was polygamy going on. Um, but you know what? I don't remember them ever saying they had multiple wives. They had concubines, and they had children because if the wife was not fertile, etc. But I don't remember them having multiple wives. When? Where? Well, Abraham had three wives. The 12 tribes of Israel were born of Israel's four wives. Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, had two wives. David had eight no-named wives. But that, it's all in the Old Testament, though, correct? Well, yes, so let's be clear. The Old Testament was about God's people being under the law, and if they didn't keep the law perfectly, they'd be stoned to death. The New Testament is a new covenant with God, and that people do, are not saved by... They're saved by grace of Jesus Christ and not through the law. So the point is that polygamy was actually regulated under the law with Exodus 21.10 and Deuteronomy 21.15 specifically talking about having more than one wife in the law itself. So if polygamy was not only not a law, not a sin under the law, under the Old Testament, all that much more, when you go into the new covenant of grace, all that much more, do you not make a doctrine more legalistically restrictive in that later New Testament time of grace than it ever was when it ended more restrictive, legalistic time of being under the law in the Old Testament? So at the end of the day, you can't make polygamy that was allowed under the law to be somehow banned in the New Testament while believing in the New Covenant, New Testament doctrine of grace. So who decides who has sex on what night, if you have multiple wives? That is up to the dynamics of the relationship of the adults involved. That's something that the different women would, would typically come together and say, this is what works for us. You know, maybe they need to have a couple nights in a row. Maybe they don't. You know, they need a different sequence. The question is determined based on the specific dynamics of the relationship. So one polygamous family might choose one way. Another polygamous family might choose another way. Purely because of the relationship and the dynamics of how they interact with each other, they make those decisions together as a family. Now, let's be honest. This is bigamy in this country. It's not. It's against the law, Right. That's what we're, we're fighting against, just, just like uh, the, Dred, the Dred Scott decision, uh, recognizing that uh, African Americans weren't human beings. I mean, so just because there's a law doesn't mean it's a good law. And in America, we believe in the freedom to repeal bad law. And that's the point. This is bad law. Now, it's one thing to have... See, let, let's differentiate. We're talking about honest polygamy, where all of the underlying consenting adults make a choice and they're happy with it, versus... Dishonest bigamy, in which you've got, like, say, uh, some airplane jet pilot who travels from one place to the next and keeps a married wife and wife in a different city every place he goes, where they don't know each other. The latter, dishonest bigamy, is a fraud because it's misrepresenting and it's the whole process of multiple licenses. But honest polygamy, where all the related, unrelated consenting adults make a choice, there is no business for the Constitution. As the Constitution says in the Tenth Amendment, there is no basis for the federal government to be involved in licensing, defining, and controlling the contractual relationships of unrelated consenting adults. Okay. Now, do you come from a polygamy family? I do not. Okay, so... I, I come from, I, I come from, as I said, I am an evangelical Christian. You know, I came to this on the, on the premise of 
when I was a Christian, well, I still am, I was, in, in my early years, I was told you're supposed to believe the doctrine of the Bible based on what the Bible says, not what anyone else tells you. And I studied that Bible inside, outside, every which way, and the biggest blaring contradiction was that there was not one single evidence where polygamy was ever called a sin, where it was ever forbidden, and that there was numerous very important biblical heroes who were polygamists, and even God himself described himself as a polygamist in Jeremiah 3 and Ezekiel 23, and Jesus Christ, the sinless Lord and Savior, described himself as a polygamous bridegroom in Matthew 25, 1-13, which he would never do if polygamy was a sin. That led to the Christian polygamy movement, which I began in 1994. That led to getting into the get eventually getting to the internet and then finally by 2005 i was on the 700 club and they acknowledged that we were coming from an evangelical christian background and for the first time in history the two words christian and polygamy were no longer a contradiction in terms and that catapulted me to the national stage because now somebody could stand on the national stage and not be dismissed because he's just someone coming from the mormon background or a muslim background or a liberal background or a lascivious background so not only could I answer the questions raised by them, but I could also persuade them, too. And that's what led to our modern national movement and paved the way for the family that's now on TV, that came on TV in 2010, and then has brought us to where we are today. So are you a polygamist? In the same way that anybody might say they are a monogamist, because that's where they are, yeah. I cannot by law tell you what the arrangements of my family is, because the laws are so tyrannical in my particular state, and indeed it's also in the state of Utah, which is why the uh, law is being challenged in the federal court, mm -hmm. is that some laws are so tyrannical that the mere free speech act of a married man with one marriage license referring to any other woman in his family as the free speech act of one word, wife, that one free speech act itself is a crime still today. And so for that reason, I'm not able to answer the question. So if you, if, I'm not asking you how many wives you have, but if you are or want to be a polygamist, um, if someone listening says, you know, I'm interested in finding out more about this. So you get a license for one wife, then what, what about the others? Are they, do they have licenses for each one or what? Well, that's where it becomes against the law, and that's actually what happened and why the current court case is before the Federal Appeals Court in the 10th District in Denver, Colorado. And that is that the previous lower court had struck down, first, the cohabitation clause of Utah's 1973 Anti-Bigamy Act, which, by striking it down, it said that they could no longer prosecute polygamists just because they live together. They're shacking up. Because if you can't prosecute monogamists for shacking up, you can't prosecute polygamists for shacking up. So they removed the cohabitation clause from that law. Mm -hmm. And then they limited the purports clause, which is the, the clause that makes free speech an act, uh, a crime. So they limited it only to purporting a marriage license. So effectively what the decision did is it decriminalized what's called de facto polygamy, which is a polygamous man married to one woman with one license, and the other wives, have, there are no licenses. That's de facto polygamy. Although, de jure polygamy, which is a man with multiple marriage licenses, that's still a crime today. Okay. So, it, kids are obviously going to be born to, the, to a family with multiple wives. Who do they actually belong to? 
that's a family decision. I mean, that, that's that, this is the family. Well, as the family comes together and makes their arrangements, that that's you know, you've got paternity, of course, and you've also got uh, biology, but you've got the family coming together. They can organize whatever legal structure they want. We've already got in place partnership law, corporate law. And so merely a family can come together and determine how they want to organize their assets, how they want to organize the structure and relationships and, and those things. So these are all self-definable. There is not a basis for the federal government to come in to license, define, control, sanction, or prohibit unrelated consenting adults making these choices. So, but there has to be some kind of paperwork because obviously if there's one man with a license and a wife, you know, then the heirs have, you know, they can collect anything as far as heirs, but the others are not necessarily heirs. Doesn't that have to be covered someplace? Well, that can be covered through the def- defined parameters of the agreements that the family makes together. The only legitimate role for government in marriage is as a is at the municipal level as a repository of the public records of the contractual arrangements that unrelated consenting adults make. So those issues that you're talking about can be filed just like you can file corporate papers, just like you can file deeds owning property. These can be filed as public records, but it is not for the government to be licensed to find, control, sanction, or banning those decisions. Got it. Now, what about when you have multiple wives, a husband with multiple wives, obviously someone has to be, you know, the, the supporter of the family. Is it like a joint thing? Everybody works, the women work, and the men works both, all of them, everybody works? What? This is a choice that the family of any family comes together to decide how they're going to go about it. Just in the same way there's many different permutations of an argument family, there will be many different permutations of polygamous families. But let's be clear. The idea of polygamy is not this idea that somehow some man has to be this great provider of all the women and all the children, as if, because the reason for that, the reason for thinking that is so wrong is because it suggests that women only need or want a sugar daddy. And the truth is, in today's modern world, women are smart, capable, and fully functional in today's society, and they can provide income as well as they choose. So, for example, you may have two women. One woman wants the choice to be a stay-at-home mom. Another woman wants the choice to be a high-traveling career woman that requires her to travel at times. Now, they can make a choice, come together with a good man, the woman who is saying, oh, she gets the choice that she wants, the woman that wants to be a high-traveling career woman, she can have her choice. And not only so, but she can know that her children are being cared for by a woman who loves them and not having to ship those children off to some low-paid stranger at daycare while also knowing that her husband is not out philandering. Well, you know, I, I don't know about how safe that is when you have to you know, have your children being taken by another wife who have, may, maybe has a little competition factor going here. No, it could be good, it could be bad. It could be, good, it could be good, but it could also be bad. We're talking about choices. We're talking about women who are smart making a choice. And I have absolute belief in the power and the strength and the wisdom of women. And so I do not believe that we need some big patriarchal government to come in and impose a, this idea upon women and depriving them of their choice. Let's, right. let's look at this from a free market standpoint. If you have 10 men and 10 women, and nine of those men are jerks, the marital socialism of forced one man, one woman has taken the choice away and oppressed 
nine of those women. So those nine women either have to settle for the jerks or go without. But what happens if you have a free market, a free marriage market, where women have a choice? Now suddenly, the women can choose the better man, and they just might. And then what happens? The nine other jerks, you know, the, the, the boys who are 35 years old living in their mother's basement still playing video games, realize, oh, my goodness, I better hurry up and grow up, or I'm going to go out, go out. And when they realize that, they grow up, and that ends up with better with men for the women to choose so it all equilibrates. Yeah, I just feel that, you know, if you're going to have the choice of making, you know, man choosing multiple wives or vice versa, the women choosing him, you should have it the other way around, too. And if that's the choices that people make, that's their choice to make. We're saying government doesn't have the authority to license, define, control, sanction, or ban any of those choices. Whether that is the choices that most will make, it probably won't happen that often. But if that's what happens, government doesn't have the authority to license, define, control, sanction, or ban those consenting adults, unrelated consenting adult choices. Now, do they? how do they pay taxes? Same way we do? Well, currently, not allowed to identify a married filing joint or even recognizing the marriage. Well, That's you can allowed. they recognize one, right? Well, yeah, the one with the marriage license, yes. Right. So then the others have to pay taxes as a single. Is that correct? That is, that's what's forced upon polygamists under current circumstances. That's correct. Okay. Uh, what about welfare? Do they collect, can they what about collect welfare? welfare? The idea of welfare is a concept that you have to determine whether you support it or you don't support it. To suggest that just because polygamists are disallowed by the force of the jackboot of tyranny of government that doesn't allow them to be legally married does not mean that that suddenly defaults to polygamists being abusers of welfare. Anyone who abuses welfare is definitely a criminal. But to suggest that polygamists do that is a misrepresentation. So do not punish polygamists for being deprived of the freedom to be legally married so that they are considered married, so that that frames the argument to then suggest, well, because they're single women, they must be able to, to stand the welfare fraud. Anyone who stands the welfare that way is indeed a fraudster, but that doesn't define polygamy. So now this is in the federal court, uh, appeals court, correct? Correct. Okay, to decriminalize polygamy in Utah. Only Utah? Well, if it goes to the Supreme Court, it'll probably that, that, that will end up becoming nationwide, yes. Because effectively, it'll determine what the decision actually determines. Okay, how many currently? Has it, uh, currently uh, how many polygamists are there in Utah? There are reports that in just Utah there are three thousand, but that's not around the country, and that, that's something that is kind of uh, not possible to fully document because of the fact that just purporting can put polygamists in jail, and so very many have to be uh, hiding. Okay. So yours, though, is National Polygamy Rights Movement for Consenting Adults, period. Correct? Well, that's correct. And I'm at nationalpolygamyadvocate.com. Okay. And uh, when is this going to be heard? Well, actually, it was appealed to the 10th District Federal Appeals Court on Thursday, the 21st, and then they'll be making a decision and determining whether they're going to uphold the decision from the law court that effectively decriminalized de facto polygamy or whether they're going to overturn that. 
regardless of which way that decision goes, the other side will then appeal it to the Supreme Court, which is the next step. From here, it goes to the Supreme Court. So Brown v. Human, which is Brown for the family, the, the Cody Brown family, V versus Human, B-U-H-M-A-N. Brown v. Human will likely end up in the Supreme Court next year. So do you think this is, what do you think is going to happen? Seriously. What do you think? The fact that I, I think I, I think that the that it, it is going to be upheld because all it did was say that you can no longer criminalize polygamists for shacking up to suggest that just the mere act of one man with one marriage license to only one woman and other women in the family that don't have licenses that that, that mere act of shacking up can be used to criminalize them and I think that nobody even around the country, would suggest that the idea that we should begin criminalizing shacking up. So I believe that that will be upheld. And certainly the idea of limiting the purported clause only to marriage licenses, which is where it currently stands, then I think that that will also be upheld because the idea that you could be... You know what? We're running really short on time. Is there a website they can go to to get more information? Real fast. Absolutely. Absolutely. National Polygamy Advocates my name is Mark Henkel, M-A-R-K, H-E-N-K-E-L. You can find me on YouTube. You Thank can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you so much for being with us, Mark. I'm sure we'll be talking again. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you it. Bet. In the meantime, live simply, laugh often, love deeply, and above all else, dare to dream. Mark Henkel is National Polygamy Advocate. Presented polygamy to the public since 1994. National Polygamy Advocate.com